Aloha, party people. You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 197. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Tiki Tea, a family-owned and operated tropical drink bar in Los Angeles, California. Come get their house specialty, The Ray's Mistake. For more information, check out their website, tiki-ti.com. If you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. This podcast reaches thousands of listeners in over 100 countries every week. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. Today we chat with Greg Bansuelo, bartender at the world-famous Tiki Tea. Greg comes from a long line of mixologists, including his uncle Lou Cruz, owner of The Outrigger, as well as his father, John J.B. Bansuelo, who bartended alongside Ray Buin at all the old-school Polynesian bars like the China Trader, Seven Seas, and the Luau. Learn what life was like for these old-school Filipino bartenders and what was contained in their personal recipe books, the coveted Black Books. And joining us on this session are our friends Boris Hamilton and Alex Lamb from the upcoming documentary, The Dawn of Tiki. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a good rating or stop by DesertOasisRoom.com and click on the tip jar. Every tip or donation, no matter the size, is very much appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. Alrighty, make yourself a lapu-lapu and join us inside the Desert Oasis Room. And give it up for our friend, Greg Bansuelo. Inside the Desert Oasis Room. Can you hear me okay? I, I hear you perfect. Your hair is... Nah, it's a little shiny. It's a little right, shiny, shiny on top. That's why those lights. This guy, everybody goes, Greg, put your head down. You're blinding me. It's a little bald joke. Put up with that shit every day. I'm not. <laughs> My brother does too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, especially for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'll get there. Wow, you know. So you, you get a little eight head there. Your forehead's going. <laughs> You know, Ed Bagley Jr. uses a shower timer. He uses a shower timer so that he's he's um, not in the shower longer than five minutes. He's a conservationist. Yeah. I don't know how he does that, like, because I have all this hair to wash. It just takes me so long sometimes. Uh, I don't know. I don't have that problem. <laughs> I'm in and out. <laughs> yeah, it was a joke. I guess it was yeah. a bad joke. So, there you go. Let's send you a joke, Hoy. A Joe Coy. Yeah, you ever heard that part where he's in the shower? Why are you in the shower so long, Joseph? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you have dad just still using yeah, the head like, of shoulders. He's he's in there for thirty minutes and his hair's fucking dry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's hilarious. Okay. Well, we're we're rolling. Oh okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing that's oh, all. God, it's all documented. It's all documented. It's all documented. So. Sorry. Okay. Let's talk about your um, your uncle's recipe book. So, first of all, I want to give recognition to your dad. We never hear anything about your dad. And I think the last time you and I recorded was you and Mike. We talked a little bit about your dad. I want to know more about your dad because he was one of those unsung heroes from back in the day that worked alongside Ray and probably a few of the others that we've read about in Jeff's books, right? Yeah, I mean, my dad, you know, all those guys worked at different places. Like, my dad worked at Dolly Beast Cover. He worked at uh, Seven Seas a little bit. And uh, and then uh, he worked at a place, my favorite, it's called the Tahitian. The Tahitian. Yeah, that was in Studio City. And if you go down, like, Ventura Boulevard, when you first, like, over there by Barham, uh-huh. you would turn left up the hill because it's a driveway or you'd have to drive up to it. And it had like a, you know, like a driveway where you get your car, park so, your car in LA. let me start by asking, what was your dad's name? John Bonsuelo. John Bonsuelo. He used to call him JB or Jelly Belly. Right, right. JB or Jelly Belly. Yeah. Okay. And he was... He went to Dot the Beast Cover for a little bit. He did? Yeah. Okay. But was he wasn't like, one of the original guys. No, 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 no. All right. It was no, later on. Okay. Yeah, like I saw a big old menu where all the pictures of the employees. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you are There's a guy, that, there's a picture of him, and it was, it was, it was, the title of him was called Johnny. I'm not sure if that was my dad or not, but it looked a hell of a lot like him. So I, I'm not saying it was or it wasn't, but, you know, there was a whole bunch of, yeah, you know, I've guys working there. too, and where did that even come from? I know. Uh I don't know if you, you know want to cross it. Yeah. I don't. No. Oh, it's like a. Yeah. It's almost like a class picture. Yeah. Where all it's got like you know twenty different Don's employees all in a little oval with their name underneath it. Yeah. Oh. It's crazy. It showed up. Should I mic you? No. You want to mic? It just showed up. <laughs> it just showed up like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that too. Like, oh, that like, looks like my what? dad when he was young. Because I actually got pictures of my dad when he was young, and I looked just like him. But really? he never lost his hair. Yeah, this is like a picture of him. Can you send me one of your dad? I think I've asked you before because yeah, I want to feature him. I think I sent him. it to you already. But did you really? Yeah. Did you text it to me? Uh, I think so, yeah. All right, let me check. But um, <laughs> We can't see it over this because we're on a podcast. Yeah, well, that, so. that's okay. I mean, like, I'm still going to check. How long was your dad bartending? And was that his main thing? Did he have, well, a, like, another day job? Or did he? was it really just uh, all bartending? Well, he worked at nighttime mainly because that's when he made the most money. I okay. mean, he worked as a bartender. He also did, you know, uh, worked as a waiter. He is a, a maitre d at some places, and then, uh, but his main job was he worked for IBM. Oh, okay. so that was his. Main so this thing. was just kind of like a moonlighting thing. Yeah, to make more money because you know, right, right. He had a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many Venezuelans are there. Of you guys, uh, well, there's like I'm the youngest of eleven, so you know, but they're all I got like eleven. A, yeah, eleven. But some of them were, you know, like uh, half brothers and sisters. But you know, we don't count that. But of course, the like thing a, is, a, is that uh, no wonder he liked working at nights. Well, <laughs> he's a good-looking guy. I mean, I can show you pictures, but Johnny B. Yeah, but they used to call him, they are JB. That's what my uh, older brother Timmy called him. Uh, anyway, you know, uh, but his main job was working at IBM during the day. 
but he started off in Hawaii picking pineapples, so you know there are farm worker too, farm worker stuff going on too. What do you remember about? his life as a bartender when you were younger? Well, I would go to Tahitian. My mom would take, we would go eat because they served Chinese food there. And I remember him being behind the bar. So it was like a typical, like, old-school tiki place with Cantonese food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, back then they didn't call it tiki. They called it Polynesian or tropical, whatever. But right, right. Tiki was kind of, you, that's what the tiki, it was a statue. You know, okay. I don't remember yeah, yeah. tiki even being the word used for that. Um I mean, as far as my recollection is concerned, but all I remember is Polynesian or tropical. Okay. I don't know if you run across do, Tiki. Do you remember, like, did you ever visit any of the spots that he was working at? Since Tahitian. And, and okay. I remember going to the Luau because he worked there a little bit. Okay. And how one. old were you? Were you old enough to drink or were you a kid like that, that would come in? And... Yeah, they would take me to dinner because we were, we were young. We were like yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, six, seven. Oh, you see, so you were a little kid. Yeah, yeah. We were, I didn't go in there and drink. Yeah. I mean, so 11 of you would go to the luau? No, no, no. no. It was literally a luau. <laughs> it could be. Eight. You know, that's possible. I don't remember. You know, all I remember is that we were the youngest, and they were all grown up out of the house by then. I mean, my oldest brother was like 24 years older than me. I had a sister that was like 22 years older wow. than me. Wow. So, you know, I came like, like in 55. So your older brothers were like uncles, basically. Well, I have other words for them, but... Yeah, they're older brothers, but, you know, they were more like, you know, I didn't, get, they didn't, I didn't grow up in the house with them. So. Right. But my dad, like, you know, he worked a lot. Of, he worked a lot of... Uh, uh, he worked a lot. I mean, his regular job, and he would bartend, and, you know, he would, uh, you know, like he did. And he would come home with, like, jars, I mean, like, big old bags of uh, change, because there was no dollar bill to Right, because like it was, quarters. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they had the silver dollars back then. So well, you got a lot of that. So from his tips, yeah. But you know, nobody was tipping dollar bills or anything. Right, like right. If you got a bill, you're like, whoa. What do you remember about the? A couple of things. So you probably didn't know anything about the bar culture back then. Uh, I know that people got drunk, and they would get into fights mm-hmm. or arguments, and you know they were just like. To me, they were like being. I'm weird. just curious. Well, what? And if you were young, you would know this. I'm yeah. just curious how much of that you. I'm, I'm just trying to glean some information on what was a, a typical day there. Like we could describe a typical day at the Tiki Tea. I know that they're always different. Yeah. But there is a typical day, right? And the typical kind of clientele. And I'm curious how different it was back then as it is today. Like today, there's an expectation with a lot of bars that you're going to get a quality drink. Right. And I'm curious how much of that was even a thing back then. Well, you know, you go with, you're like, I'll give you an example. T-shirt. A lot of celebrities used to go there because it was so close to Hollywood. And uh, that when I used to go there, my brother Tim worked there. My brother Sonny worked there because they were in their you know, early 20s. So they were either busboys or they, they were like training to be waiters. Uh, but, you know, you walk into those places, you see, you see the bar over there. We don't usually sat in booths at the restaurants. And uh, my dad would come over and he would take an order because, you know, we were a family. Um, and, you know, we would see, you know, celebrities there. Uh, but, you know, basically it was more of a restaurant experience for me. Mm-hmm. But watching my dad, you know, he would, you know, go behind the bar, make drinks, you know. And, you know, he would also serve food. I mean, he did it all. He did everything. He did everything. Yeah. You know, it wasn't only one thing. Do you remember anything about his colleagues? Uh, I remember, oh, yeah. There was like this one guy, he's my brother-in-law. He used to be a waiter. Uh, he was only a short-time waiter, but uh, 
he, uh, they all used to sit there and uh, wear their uniforms and work at night. Uh, the, and I remember the old Luau uniforms with the white pants and the white shoes and, and the blue uh, flowery, uh, what would you call it, shirt or frock or whatever with the big pockets. And they would have the order taking in one pocket and, you know, their tips in the other. And, you know, that would be sagging. But, uh, you know, I, I, I remember being in those places and being like, you know, going to Hawaii or something like that. You yeah. Know, that's So you also felt the escapism still back then? Yeah, because, you know, we were, that was our culture. I mean, yeah, we, you yeah. know, we... That my dad was born in Hawaii, you know, my mom, it was the, her fa family was Filipino, but her, my grandfather, her side were, was born in, uh, I think it was Ilocano, he was born in the Philippines, so all of that was there. I mean, you know, we always had a pot of rice on the stove. <laughs> Did you feel like that that was a natural thing for your family to fall into, or was it, did you find your, did your family find their way there because they just, they needed a job and they knew somebody who could get them a job? Well, you have to realize that the culture, a lot of Filipino restaurants, a lot of those restaurants and places like uh, were Filipino. But, but there weren't a lot of Filipino restaurants. Then. No, no, they were, I'm they, saying, were, they were working in, they were working part as part of like the Filipino community, right? Right, I misspoke a little bit. All those employees that worked in those places were mainly Filipino. Right. Unless you went to Trader Vic's. So I guess what I'm saying is that w when they came here from, from Hawaii, were, right. they, were they like, was it natural for them to just gravitate towards that community because it was they felt comfortable around other Filipinos or is because like oh I know a guy that can get you a job and you just they're just looking for a job because they're oh definitely a network yeah you know like okay fine they're hiring over here at this place and they pay more money so they would they would move over to that place because they made like you know right. five dollars right. extra a week which is a lot of money back then right uh, so you know yeah it was all they're into the service industry you know before I don't want to sound racist or anything, <laughs> but there were maybe Asian Filipino workers working or in the restaurants, the Polynesian restaurants. Okay, so most of them are Filipinos. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and if you went to Trader Ricks, he had a lot of Chinese workers working right, for him because right. they were in Northern California. Right. And there were San Francisco, you know, there was a big uh, uh, Chinese influence there. It's as well. the largest Chinatown outside of China. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, so I think that gravitated to Trader Vic's more than the Filipinos did, because Filipinos were still mainly farm workers in the in the San Joaquin Valley, picking grapes, you know, peaches, whatever you want to do that. So I think uh, in LA, uh, there's a big Filipino community in uh, Temple Street near downtown. Yeah, it's old called, Filipino town. Old Filipino town. Yeah, yeah. that's where we mainly lived. Right. So uh, that was a big community too. So we used to go to the Filipino Community Center, and they were all waiters. They were all busboys, waiters. I'm I'm asking about like his colleagues and what you know because I'm curious how many are out there that we don't know about that had some kind of an impact because there's only so many that have been documented. Right. right. Well, Jeff, Jeff Berry's done a great job with that, but I mean. You, you, he only got so far, and you, you and I or anybody else can only get so far with who else do you know? Yeah. You know, because it was so long ago, you're going to have like, oh, well, you know, that's really all they know. That's like my aunt knows this guy or, yeah. or my grandpa knows this guy or my uncle knows this guy or whatever, you yeah. know. Well, I had a conversation with my aunt and her husband, uh, whose name is Lou Cruz. He uh, had an uncle that was supposed to own the Outrigger in La Quiniana back in the day. Yeah. And that's where he bartended. Uh, and and he got he got 
it was nepotism with it because his uncle sure. was part yeah, of it. Yeah. So, and there are a lot of Filipinos working there. And like I said, they had a network. They would, you know, call each other up, say, "Hey, you're looking at somebody," and you know, that's how it works today. Yeah, yeah. Restaurant business. Yeah. Uh, so, if you, with that picture I was talking about that Boris uh, mentioned, right, right. you know, if you look at it, all those guys were there. Uh, all mainly Filipino guys that were working for Don the Beachcomber when it got a little bit bigger, and uh, you know, those guys were. Who knows about those guys? Who were they? Yeah, I'm curious, like how many of those guys made an impact in the cocktails or even in that particular piece of Polynesian pop culture. Like, for example, I guess one of the things that I'm trying to get at is. We know that the luau, well, I shouldn't say the luau. We know that the lapu-lapu is a cocktail that was named after a Filipino folk hero, yeah. right? Chief so, lapu-lapu, yeah. Chief lapu-lapu, right? Yeah. And for those that don't know, Chief lapu-lapu is the, is the war hero commander-in-chief, or not commander-in-chief, but uh, he was um, a warrior in the Philippines that took down Magellan when Magellan right. came to the Philippines. Took down Magellan and his army. So, you know, he's, you know, obviously, like, very revered in the Philippines. And you have this cocktail that, by many accounts, came from the luau. Like, no one really knows exactly right. the origin of that cocktail. But... I think what people are surmising is that they think it came from the Luau somewhere in the 1950s, right? Okay, yeah. I think that's I think that's what it was. Well, there's also the Atinanti. That's another Filipino drink. Another so, Filipino drink. Yeah. So we know the guys uh, on some of this stuff, right? We know Ray Buin. Right. Right. Who um, who came from Don's, one of the original four Filipinos, found his way to the Dresden, retooled the blood and sand for Tyrone Powers, and... But we don't know anything about, like, who came up with this lapu-lapu, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if we'll ever get that answer. Well, it's kind of hard because back in the day, those guys are just there to to make money, to, to work I as get a it. job. I get it. Uh, but 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 what I'm talking about is we have a guy here who is obviously a major contributor to th- that tiki subculture and that right. that particular cocktail culture, but he's this anonymous person, right? Well, you know. all I remember is a lot of those guys and his friends, they all had their own recipe books. Because they all, you know, right. had their own recipes that they did. They did. Um, and I remember looking at my dad's. He usually kept it next to his uh, horse racing book. Because those people like to play the horses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Dr. So, Gamble. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Las Vegas, forget about it. But, uh, and I, look, I remember looking at it and going, Dad, don't touch that. That's oh, my, that's very my protective. Oh, yeah, big time. They all yeah. were. Yeah. And an eight-year-old was going to go open his own bar. Well, I, I thought I don't about think it. it. No, I don't okay. think it was that. I mean, like, I think it was just that. He I was, was being curious. Make sure you go in a place with an existing liquor license. Yeah. Right. I was being curious about liquor because you know I liked my dad. I always wanted to hang out with him, you know. And uh, when I opened it up, I go, "What's this, Dad?" And he goes, "Oh, don't touch that. You're gonna, you're gonna ruin it." Because and it was very meticulous. It was all in his handwriting. Yeah. And I, and I remember looking at that. And that's one thing that stuck out of my head. But you know, when I was growing up, it, it just didn't really dawn on me all this was going on. I think that the memory came back is when I started hanging out at TKT again. Uh, and then you saw Ray's book. And I saw Ray's book. I go, "Well, that looks like my dad's." And then I told my dad, they were friends, and my dad brought me into TKT one day. And they were busy talking about old stuff, and I wanted to go someplace else. 
And yeah, because uh, you don't want to hang out with your dad at that time. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, uh, I get it. I was the same way. But there's a guy, I mean, look at the, the one, only one other guy I know that's pretty famous is that guy that worked at Tips. Yeah, that's Bobby Batugo. Yeah, I mean, he was famous for that. But, he was know. a uh, he was a world champion uh, cocktail. So I think he won best cocktail something like several years in a row. I, right. I think like maybe three. Yeah, like right. three. For sure, two. Yeah, maybe I think it was three. three. And then there was the guy that works at the Baikai in Florida. That's another Filipino guy, right? Yeah. That, well, that was yeah, that was um, Mariano. Yeah, Mariano. So yeah. you know, there's all these guys that worked in places like that, but there's a lot of them that you know, time's forgotten. They're not there anymore. Right. Like my dad, he, you know, he, like I said, was, back then it was all about making money so they could survive. Right. Okay. And but they our, weren't thinking about legacy or anything. No, like back that. then they were just saying, "Hey, we're making drinks and having a good time." My uncle used to say, I just worked there because, you know, I got tips and, you know, there are a lot of beautiful, beautiful women walking in there. It wasn't because he was, like, you know, worried about, you know, becoming a famous tiki guy. Yeah. As you got older, did your dad ever make any of his drinks at home for you? Uh, well, he, he used to. Like, we lived in La Puente. They used to have big old-ass birthday parties. And he had his own home bar. I, mean, I got pictures of him behind the bar making drinks. Uh, did, he have, did he have a tiki bar? Oh, I want a copy of one of those pictures. Well, it's not exactly... It, See, it wasn't exactly a tiki bar, but it had, he was making tiki drinks. Okay. And you, this address that... So, you know, uh, the, the reason why I ask about the tiki bar was a couple things. So people were doing their luau's, home luau's right, right. back then. And people were doing Polynesian rooms. Now, even Ray had a tiki room yeah. in the house behind the tiki tea. Like, right. I've seen it with my own eyes. It, right. was, it was in their back... Uh, porch area, mm -hmm. right, and um, which they use for storage now, and that was actually not uncommon. Yeah. So I'm curious, like you know, if if your dad had that, that would actually be kind of a, you know, that was a thing. Well, I do remember he had there's a picture of him behind the bar making drinks, you know, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> right. Right. We're so, gonna need that picture. Okay. Yeah, and we then, need that. I got that. Oh, right. And then there's a picture of my mom uh, wearing. One of those like chop Polynesian dress, the tropical dresses yeah. that women are wearing right now. They're, they're like, I'm gonna need that too. Yeah, okay, yep. I got that. We need all that. Okay, but uh, you know, and those were those were natural. This like it wasn't yeah, yeah. a big deal. Nobody said, oh, this is a tiki drink or this is a sure, tiki sure. dress. That's how it was. They just this is that's the way that's the way we did it. Yeah. So it wasn't a big oh wow. How long was your dad in the bar industry? He was there up until, I want to say the 80s, and then he, he stopped doing that. And then, uh, then he worked at, uh, as, a, as a data processor at, uh, at uh, Shepherd Company, the guys that make the earth movers, mm -hmm. out in Rosemead. Mm -hmm. oh, Rose Hills, Rose Hills. So off the 61 or something like that? Yeah. So anyway, so he would work at nighttime data processing. And then... He did, and then he would work in the restaurant business as a cook too. So uh, he did it all. Right. Was he an amazing cook? Oh yeah, I learned a lot from him. But uh, so where you learned to make adobo? Actually, I learned that from my mom. She made the best adobo. My dad has other talents. He he made this Filipino chop suey that was the best. I mean, it had bok choy in it, spinach, string beans, oh, wow. you know. Uh, you that can, sounds great. Oh, I know it is. Are you going to make that for us today? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't prepared, but I can. <laughs> Go to the market. I'll write down the ingredients. Uh -huh. uh, but like I said, you know, like I said, I don't know 
My dad worked it. All I remember is my dad working, coming home with, you know, stuff all over his white pants. Right. Okay, for a little while. And, you know, a bunch of change in his pocket. Yeah. And he would, like, pour it out on the table, and I would help him count it. So, his black book. I don't know what happened to that. It's gone. Long gone. I mean, I saw it. Last time I saw that, he was staying with me when I was living in Mission Bay Hill. And he had all his stuff there. And then after that, uh, that's the last time I saw it. And but, he was pretty protective of it. Oh, yeah, all of it. Yeah. All of it. So all these guys probably had one if they were all like that. If They all, they probably all treated oh, it I mean, very... Yeah. There's probably still guys that have them that are still protective. Or they don't know yeah. what they are. Their family doesn't know what they are. Like my aunt. She found that. There, one, there are guys bag. who died with those secrets. There right. are guys who died like, you know... Pr protecting that, you know, like well, it was something that they were never, ever, ever going to share with anybody, and then now they're gone. This is proof of it right there. There's my one. Found so this is a bottom of a drawer. Two years after my. So let's segue to this. So for okay. our listeners, I can't see what Greg is saying. My aunt found this because this is an audio show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what I look good on audio. What Greg is holding in his hand is a. A notebook. It's a little notebook. We're calling it a black book because the cover is gone. Yeah. But it is, it was his uncle's or little recipe book. Two and a half by five inches. Right. Yeah, something that could fit in your back pocket. And it's all handwritten uh, recipes from the Outrigger. Right. From the restaurant that he owned. Well, his uncle owned uh, uh, His uncle owned Yeah, his uncle by, he's my uncle by marriage. Okay. And his uncle. uncle yeah, Uncle Got Cruz. You. Yeah. Got you. And his full name? Lou. Lou Ted. Cruz. And, oh, Ted Cruz was the, his uncle. Louis Cruz. No, how'd you know? There was, was a Ted, Ted Cruz in your yeah. family? Oh, don't sit next to me. That was his <laughs> uncle. Ugh, you're psycho. Psycho. Lou Cruz. Lou Cruz is my uncle. His uncle was named Ted Cruz. Okay. Or Teddy. They called him Teddy. Okay. Uh, and, and she, after my uncle passed away, she just started going through his stuff uh, uh, just recently. Yeah. And she found this little notebook. And he goes, oh. What is this? And my cousin Tony was with her. Goes, oh, those look like recipes Dad used to have when he worked at the Outrigger. And then she goes, oh, we gotta give this to Greg. So handwritten recipes from the Outrigger from the circa Outrigger, 1950s, 60s. I don't know how many are in there. What? There's forty. Forty drinks, yeah. Something like that, forty-ish, yeah. and lot. and a lot. and a lot of them are done the beachcomber cocktails, which I'm curious about. So, how much do you know about his? History, resume, all, all that kind of stuff. Was there any tie to Don the Beachcomber? Did anybody work at Don the Beachcomber? I'm sure a lot of people did. My uncle knew that, well, my dad did. And I know uh, my uncle knew a lot of people. Like I said, these guys moved around a lot. Like yeah. if you work at Don the Beachcomber one week, then, oh, I'm over here at the Outrigger now. Or I'm working at the Little, or I'm working over at the Seven Seas. It didn't, you know, people would just jump around a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, even Ray only lasted a year, almost a year at at, at Don's. At Don's. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, don't, I forgot how many bar, bar uh, places he worked at. He worked my at dad, all of them. My dad worked at a lot of them, too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, they jumped around a lot. So a lot of drinks were brought over. Yeah. And the owners were, hey. And these guys were probably sharing their recipes with each oh, other, definitely. right? definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm sure once these, one of these guys became a head bartender somewhere else, then he would pass down those recipes to his guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, Beast Cover, uh, Rob Drake, or whatever, you know, it didn't necessarily have to be Don and Beast Cover. It's just some guy, he was a Beast Cover, you know, so. Uh, anyway, 
those guys shared a lot of recipes and sometimes they have their own books. Like, you know, if you go to Sid, he has all his recipes down, sure. at, you know, at his own, but they're always on the board. You can, and there's no mystery about him, but he creates his own recipes. So that, that leads me to wonder, you know, when you went to a lot of these bars, you had the menu with the cocktails in it. Right. But like Sid, so Sid, when he runs his shift, he puts his cocktails on the board. Correct. And they're not on the Tonga Hut menu. No. Now, that makes me wonder if these guys were doing the same thing. Well, they had a menu there. And this one, this from what my aunt told me, she says, these were written, handwritten by Ted for my uncle when he first started bartending. But these are his own. No, these are t- these, these are from the, these are from tents. Right, right. So what I mean is, like, when he was working there, maybe when he's working a shift, right, was this the stuff that was from the menus there, or was this his own stuff that it was in addition to the menus? Because you know, like a lot of these guys had an audience, right? They right. had they had people that followed him from bar to bar. Like for example, Ray Buen is famously known for having people that would follow him when he left the China Trader and he ended up at the Luau or vice versa. Right, his crowd would would follow him to wherever he was next. Right. You know, so that's what makes me wonder, you know, uh, was this what your uncle was doing? Was that, is that what these recipes are in this book? No, this is written from my uncle by his uncle, Ted. Right. So he, when he was bartending, he could refer back right, right. to what the drinker was ordered. So they were on the menu. Okay. Okay. He just used this. Yeah, just so, as a reference. So he can remember. It's like I have... Index cards. Like so your index cards. Yeah. 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 So this is a tool for him to use when he was making drinks if he forgot what was in it. Yeah. So yeah. looking at this, there's a few ingredients in there that are common denominators. Right. Right. There's a lot of absinthe in these Yeah, because it, le- it was legal back then. So, which I found really interesting. So a lot of absinthe in there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of ango in there. A lot of grapefruit yeah. in there. Which was kind of like, wow, so there's a lot of commonality across the board. And it's funny, like when you think about like, you know, how cocktails, they're so different today, you know. um, It's more standard today, I think. Back then, you know, they were making their own drinks, they had their own special drinks, but they weren't allowed to make the drinks that they came up with. They were just allowed to, it was on the menu, that's what you made for more consistency basis. It's like, if you looked at the, the number of the bottles, the recipes, like at Fader Vicks, they number the bottles, they're made in the back, and but it was always following a recipe. Right. It's like baking a cake or something like that. You so know? what are your thoughts about that? Do you think any, you don't think that he made up any of his own stuff? Not, not my uncle, but maybe his uncle did. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because I always argue that, I don't know any bar in the world where bartenders come in and just make drinks like robots. No, they can't. Yeah. Like, you go to, you go to, well, I used to manage this place in uh, Hollywood called uh, uh, Amagi's, and they had their recipe for Mai Tai. Okay, but it had grenadine, orange juice, sweet and sour juice, you know, and then you put the rum on top, float Myers on top. That was their Mai Tai, which is not really a Mai Tai. Right. You go to Hawaii, some of the Mai Tais there are really terrible because, you know, they're not make, following the recipe. Right. I the, even the Mai Tai by the Royal Hawaiian in Honolulu and in Waikiki, worst Mai Tai I ever had. Turtle Dub, Turtle Bay, though, on the other side of the island, good Mai Tai. Mm-hmm. So uh, the resort, that was a good Mai Tai. Yeah. And a better atmosphere. But uh, They better have a good Mai Tai there, yeah. right? But, you know, it's, the whole thing is that it, right now it's more standardized. 
It's not the grenadine or the pineapple juice or whatever they do with these other places. Like, call that a Hawaii Mai Tai, by the way. Uh, now it's like, you know, hey, it should be, you know, uh, golden in color because of the rum. And uh, there's no grenadine, there's no pineapple juice, you know. I'm curious, uh, what the, do, you, do you have an idea of, like, the time period from this book? Oh, 50s, 60s. There's one thing that's missing from there that yeah. I've noticed. There's no fashionola in any recipe. They call it New England. They did? Yeah. Is it in there? Yeah, it's called the first recipe right there. What is it called? They call it New England. That's what they called fashionola? Yeah. Because no. of the English. So that was the English. brand they were using. The oh, brand, yeah. Brand. Okay. Yeah. That was the fashionola they used. Interesting. So, like the Greg Grog, that's one of your drinks, right? Well, it's the Navy Grog, and I, I do I tweak it a little bit because uh, people like the taste of uh, the uh, bitters. Not the bitters, but the uh, allspice. Okay. So well, I, I'm a fan of the Grey Grog. What, yeah. else, what else do you do that people can order from you specifically on that end of the bar? Uh, you know, I sell a lot of scorpions. That's my favorite. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I tweak that a little bit. But you Do know, you remember that recipe? Uh, no. Yeah, I do, but... I, the reason why I'm asking is because maybe I can order one. Yeah, you've had my scorpions. I have had a scorpion. I love your scorpions. Yeah, scorpions. But, uh, you know, we have a different mix, and it's not like a real scorpion, like a scorpion bowl. Sure. So, again, it's yeah, not. It's a cocktail. It's a tiki tea recipe that we call a scorpion. It's different than everybody else's. Yes. And I love it. Oh, yeah. I don't think yeah. it's as dry as everyone else's. No, it's no. A, it's a nice scorpion. It's a I, nice scorpion. You got more of a. a, a, a the taste. So let's so. make one after. Let's make one after this because I want, now. Okay. I want one. You want to make one now? You want to make one now? Another, sure. another thing that's awesome about the the notebook is that in that first recipe, he lists falernum as munralaf, but then later on on the page, for a different recipe, he writes it as falernum. <laughs> so it's like it's like he was either just copying somebody else's recipe where they were hiding it, and spelling it backwards. And then the next recipe yeah. wasn't, or well, Munralaf was a, was a was, was, the, was uh, it a different brand? It was a brand, yeah. Oh, but it was still Falernum. Yeah, yeah. It was a brand because I, yeah, I, I've read about there was another brand of Falernum where it was spelled backwards. But then a lot of people think that they they were doing that. To I like, like the keep spelling, it the spelling, the spelling of the back backwards. Oh, that's interesting. Like I said, you know, I will tell you when I first started working at TGT, we went through the whole menu and it was off the top of Mikey's head. Yeah. And I wrote it down. Yeah, I don't know if that was ever, uh, if it was written down anywhere, it's probably in the black book, but uh, that's the way I learned how to make the drinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but I had to put it in a file because I couldn't remember. Yeah. Uh, he said, give me, we were at, we were at, we had lunch at the Tex over at Sunset, and we were there for like a good three hours going through all the recipes. And 96 streaks later, 94, whatever it is, you know, we were pretty tired. Oh, yeah, that's but, a uh, long day. And, I, and then I went home, and I copied them on index cards. Yeah. And I had my little file. But that was... That was well, how did you do it when you were at when you were at Tex? Oh, I remember the recipes. Tex was... Oh, I just memorized the uh, recipe for the... They have their version of the blood and sand. No, what I oh. mean is like you, you went home and you, you transcribed them onto the index cards right. afterwards. But how did you document them when you sat down with Mikey? You just wrote them in a notebook? No, I wrote them, like we went down the list, mm -hmm. and I wrote them on the page. Oh, on the page. Yeah. Then I went home and transcribed a bunch of the index cards. Do you Helps have you that remember. original uh, note? The notes that you originally wrote? Yeah, it's in my. It's in my. In not my the house. note. Not the note it's cards. No, the, where I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah, it's at my house. Oh, that that's. Yeah. I bet that that's kind of a cute, cool little document. Yeah, but I don't have it. <laughs> it's proprietary. Winky wink. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, I'm talking about like you know, just as uh, for. Uh, 
historical, you know. Again, you know what? I did Because think we don't think of that stuff. I don't think of that We don't think of it that way. And that's the way it was back in the day. They didn't think this was going to be a big deal. But, you know. Think t- about how many of these black books, like, just disappeared and went to the trash. And how many of them probably had unique recipes to the person that owned it. You know, it blows my mind thinking about that. But the thing it's is, crazy, right? This is in the bottom of a drawer, a box that my aunt was going through one day. Yeah. All right. So, you know, how many how many of their books are in the bottom of somebody's box that yeah, you know yeah. they just get rid of or whatever? But uh, and this thing is already falling apart. I bet if oh, you yeah. open that drawer, you might find another page or two in there. I'm, I my aunt's still looking through his stuff. Yeah. So you never know what's going to be found. But she told me that a lot of like a lot of old old menus. A lot of mugs and swizzle sticks were all thrown out. She threw away a lot of that stuff. Wow. And I go, I go, actually, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah, she goes, yeah. Well, she well, doesn't know. She yeah, doesn't she didn't know. know. She goes, don't yell at me. <laughs> I go, I'm not yelling. I'm just getting a little excited. Goes, wow. She goes, don't ever yell at me like that. I go, okay. How many Filipino bartenders are still out there? Like, uh, I know there's so, me. So, you know, there, people have asked me this, people have asked like, me this question before. And um, if we're talking about like from the tropical bar perspective, yeah. there's not really a lot. Right. And it actually kind of surprises me. Like I think that if if the community today knew, I think that there might be some kind of an influence because of the history, right? For For some of these mixologists to find their way back into this tropical scene. But um, I know of a guy, so... Um, he was a pretty good bartender at Thompson and Twain in Temecula. Uh, so shout out to Stephen. His his Instagram name is Stephen Urkel. That's not his real name, obviously, but that's his Instagram name. And he's a pretty good craft cocktail bartender. Um, I can't remember the guy's name that's at Harvard and Stone. This is a guy I talk about, I think, maybe, at, at Palm Springs. Uh, Filipino guy? I think, because I went there, Mikey and I went to go play golf one time, and there was the only bar that's open, and there was a Filipino kid working there, and he says his dad worked at the Tonga Hut in Palm Springs, because we were playing golf down there in Palm oh. Springs. And I go, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll get over seeing, there. I don't remember. You guys, I don't remember seeing anybody. That, yeah, so, that was a long time ago. That was like maybe 15 years ago. Maybe he was just temporary. Yeah, it could be. The only other one that I really know of, like prolifically, is um, Skull and Crown. So Noah Laporga is the uh, the owner operator of Skull okay. and Crown in Hawaii, and um, he's of Filipino descent. He's Filipino Hawaiian. Oh, there's one of Dukes too. He's a young kid though. Okay. I go with him. Hey, can you make this? He goes, I can make anything, but what color is it? Yeah. See. I know. And then you no, have um, in, in here in Southern <laughs> California, you have um, you have Jennifer, but it's a gin bar. It's not yeah. a tiki bar. And then you have a couple in New York, one by the name of Jeepney. Do you know Jeepney? No. And uh, another one by the name Maharlika. Those are also Filipino craft cocktail uh, bars. We had Mam Sir, which was yeah. Caddy Corner to Tiki Tea, which made really great craft cocktails, Filipino-owned, and it was a, a modern take on Filipino food, Filipino fusion. I don't know if that, that's what you'd call it. I mean, the food was still... I call it bougie Filipino food. It was bougie Filipino. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't really fusion because it was yeah. still Filipino yeah. uh authentic Filipino, but it was... They're catering to a different crowd. Yeah, than, it was elevated. It yeah, was like yeah. Master Chef yeah, yeah, Filipino yeah. food. Yeah. And um, that guy, Charles Olila, uh, I don't know what he's doing these days, but they, they shut down due to COVID. Like, yeah, they, they yeah. couldn't make it through COVID, which was a real bummer because they had a they had a really great uh, thing there. They had a really right. great restaurant, and, and the bar was churning out some really good cocktails. Gotcha. So... Um, 
Uh, other than that, I mean, I'm not really familiar with much more. Oh well, same with me. Yeah, so it's it's a dying it's a dying breed that maybe like there can be a resurgence. I don't know, but we'll you know, find out. Yeah, I'm we'll not having any we'll kids anytime soon. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's... Can, can you tell us about? I mean, this doesn't really have to do with your your uncle, but can you tell us about? Uh, Leon Lontok and how you would Leon see Lontok him was a real Tiki popular Tiki. actor. He's called Tiki T. He was real good friends with Ray. I know his son Howard, and he was really he's a good you know good friend. Him and his wife Liz, and they live in Silver Lake. He owns his own. Oh, uh, he just lives right down the street. Yeah, he lives. In, uh, he's, he has his own exterminating company. Um, so if you ever need a good exterminator, you know he's the guy to go to. <laughs> uh, but he he could be a sponsor. Yeah, right. And, yeah. <laughs> Uh, his father Le- sponsored you know. by Leon Lontok's yeah. son <laughs> right so you know Leon used to go to Tiki T and uh, bring a dobo all the time for, for you know oh my, that's yeah, cool for all those guys and uh, if you ask Senior hey you know Leon oh yeah Leon he's he had the best adobo you know so <laughs> anyway but uh, every now and then uh, Howard and his wife would come into Tiki T and uh, I guess they would talk to Mike Senior all the time because he yeah. knew Leon um so Leon Lontok was he, he was a good actor he was a uh, I remember him being the chauffeur in a show called Burke's Law with Gene yep Gene whatever Gene Barry yeah so he actually played uh, Bat Masterson in the old western series back yeah. from the 50s yeah you go to his IMDB page he's in he's in a he's lot of places and stuff. Yeah. yeah but he was never in Back to Batan wow. although my aunts were Really? Yeah, you know, John Wayne comes up and he's returning like MacArthur did. He have a bunch of Filipino women running after John Wayne, going, yeah, 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 yeah. My answer in that scene. Really? Yeah, when they were young. That's cool. Yeah, you have to like pause it and try to find it, slow-mo it, but they're there. <laughs> That's anyway. hilarious. How many of these guys knew Ray? Uh, yeah. Um, he probably knew like, know, he probably all knew of them, them, right? Yeah. Uh, I... When, My dad knew a lot of people. When did uh, yeah. when did Tony Ramos come along? Because Tony Ramos came later, right? Like eighties. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know he's one of the younger guys. Yeah, like I said, back in the day, the twenties, you had that Filipino immigration. Uh, you know, back in that, that was the biggest one. Now, I guess you have to be professional, or you have to know somebody, or whatever to you know. Yeah, come to the United States or be emigrated. Well, so obviously it's, that was almost a century ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was easy. So yeah, it was yeah. a lot different. A lot of them hit Hawaii first, and then they either go to right. San Francisco or they come to LA, right? Or they go in the San Joaquin Valley and become farm workers. Yeah, because there's a big Filipino community in the, in the San Joaquin Valley. Right, you right. go through Delano, Bakersfield, yep. all yep. through there. I mean, I picked grapes during the summer as a summer job. So with my with my brother-in-law, and wow. So that's another wow. story. Wow. I don't eat grapes anymore, though. Well, that's where Newhall, you know, where where Bobby was working, you know, the Newhall tips. Bobby and Batuga. That's on the way to yeah. that valley. Yeah, it's in, the, it's in the start of the grapevine. Yeah. So, anyway, but, you know, like I said, uh, I've had it all. I've seen it all. Restaurant workers, Filipino workers. My dad was part of that. He's also picked grapes in Delano when I was born. And, you know, I, there's a lot of Filipino interest in there. Uh, I mean, a lot of, they were doing everything, you know, because that's what you did when you're an immigrant. Yeah. yeah, my dad was born in Hawaii before it was even a state. So, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, picking pineapples as a teenager, wow, that's a tough job. Yeah, actually, I was in the the Dole Pineapple Tour one time, and I saw big. They have big cutouts of the farm workers. 
I swear to God, that one looked like my dad. <laughs> that was my dad. You said about that about the picture of from Don. Too, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: he said him and Don, Don Ho used to pick yeah. pineapples together when they were kids. So they used to be running buddies. Wow. But he had that one best friend that played guitar with him. But ah, uh, yeah, stories I used to hear. But you know, we didn't, like I said, you never put it together. Like, never put it together. But now you're looking back. Oh, do you remember this? Year? All I remember is like you know we went to the restaurants and we ate and you know yeah. My my older, I see my other aunts and uncles getting drunk there, you know, being nice to me and kissing me on my cheek and, you know, because it was... Yeah, I'm trying to paint a picture because I, I looked at, for example, you see the, you've seen the left-handers club video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look at that and, and, I, and, I, and it's not what maybe people envisioned back then. Right. Right. And um, I'm trying to paint a picture of like, it wasn't like today. It's such a special thing to do that, right? Right. When you do like a tiki oasis, or you do some kind of event that's centered around the theme. But back right. then, it was just a party. Oh yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. San Pedro had that big one. Uh, the the I forget the name of it. Where they used to have big old shows, the luau's. Like it was like could hold up to you know a thousand people. I forget the name of that. You're place. talking about the tiki's. Yeah, the tiki's. Yeah. yeah. And then San Pedro had a lot of them too, the old yeah. Polynesian shows, and everything like that. But these were like huge places that you know, had the venues where they would do the hula dances and the fire dances and all that. Yeah. You know, I learned how to do that. I burned my back a lot. <laughs> uh, I was a kid. I had to do the hooky lao, you know, everything like that. Yeah. No, I can still do it. Yeah. Uh, you, you learned that as a kid, but you know, you're hating. Can you turn it. the video back on? Yeah. <laughs> you're hating it because, yeah. you know, oh, all my female cousins, they all did the. They all did the, the hula, Tahitian, whatever, right. and uh, they used to babysit me, and they would bring me. Yeah. So that's where I had to learn how to do it. Wow. And all my older brothers and brothers were making fun of me. Ah, oh, you little girl, that's little hilarious. grass skirt on you. And I go, shut up. <laughs> anyway, but my sisters would kick their scratching. <laughs> you know, they hilarious. had nails, too. Anyway, I digress. That was right. a perfect ending to any podcast. Anyway, right. I digress. I digress. Done. All right. <laughs> well, let's just call it a wrap right there then. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for sharing those stories with us. Thanks for sharing the recipe book with us. Oh, no problem. I want to know. You guys are special because I'm not doing that anymore with anybody Yeah, else. I want to know more about yeah. your, 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 your dad and your uncle and your uncle's uncle and all yeah. that stuff. So if there's anything that we miss, like. I'm going to pick my aunt's brain because yeah, she's the only one alive of all my, my, my mother's family. And I talked to uh, and all my dad's family. They're all, like they're gone. Like, most yeah, of them. yeah. Or either that or the rest of them. Yeah. And I'd like to get. Yeah. I'd like to get. We need all those pictures. Okay, so I'll, I'll, those I'll pictures. find them. So, I'll show it to you. so we're gonna wrap this up with cocktails by the one and only Greg Bansuelo, right? Can right. We, can we do those scorpions? Sure, I'll do a scorpion after going to the bathroom. Okay, wait, wait. I gotta uh, sign this out. We're okay. Gonna, we're gonna close this out here. Okay. You, get, you need to go right now. Yeah. You yeah. need to go. Go. Okay, go. 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 <laughs> All right, we're gonna I, let I Greg. take it back. That is the best way to That's end the best podcast. Way. We're gonna let Greg go. He's got he's got to go pee pee right now. So, <laughs> uh, okay, party people, we're gonna wrap this one up. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode. If you'd like to listen to our archive, check it out on our website, desertoasisroom.com. You can go there, send us a note if you want want to get on the future episode with us. And we also have a YouTube, YouTube.com/slash/PolynesianPop. And thanks again for listening. Until the next time. Cheers and aloha. Yeah.